Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks. This is episode 62. We're a podcast that talks about pop culture things, and sometimes there's whiskey. My name is John. I'm joined, as always, by Andrea. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. And Yeah. And uh, it's good to be joined by a new guest this week. Everybody welcome Dustin to the show. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Excited to be so, here. Yeah. Podcast debut, right? Oh, yes. I am very new to all of this. So forgive me for my P's and Q's, as I've <laughs> heard before. <laughs> uh, we don't have like a main issue or main topic this week, uh, I guess. But we do have a number of news stories ranging from movies and television to video games. And we'll pick Dustin's brain as to... Uh, um, what his uh, preferences are, and we'll probably fight about Star Wars. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, what's um, what's everybody's week been been like? Andrea, how have you uh, have been this week? Good, good. Keeping myself busy. Um, in addition to feverishly working my way through Resident Evil, um, I'm a, I'm not going through and knifing everything. So you know, I'm I'm picking up the pace now. <laughs> um, which, sorry, Dustin, is a running gag because that's how I started playing Borderlands was I just panicked and knifed everything and it was taking me forever to get through the game. So, so I want to see a, a Resident Evil Village run with the knife. With like, just the knife. Is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cause... yeah. Someone's going to try. Yeah. yeah. Well, now, yeah, now that now that I've set the bar out there, I've set a challenge for, <laughs> for our listeners and our viewers. Uh, somebody, somebody try to go through and just knife it and uh, report. Um, but I, I am not doing that. I swear. So I will hopefully be done so we can talk about uh, Resident Evil Village in one of our upcoming podcasts. Um, but other than that, in my in my spare time, you know, in my break time, I'm watching other uh, happy things, and I say happy mm. sarcastically because I finished Army of the Dead. Um, won't get too spoilery about that. If anybody cares to watch it, I would recommend it. Um, it's a, it's a fun yet, you know, twisty zombie heist movie. So that's been kind of fun to go through. Um, and then I started Lucifer, which I was very excited, dropped on Netflix last week, final part of season five. Um, and then I also, before I did that, I wrapped up Shadow and Bone, which we'll be talking about with another special guest next week. So nice. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping busy. Dustin, have you, have you watched any of those things? Army of the Dead or anything like that? Army of the Dead's definitely on my list, uh, but I have not jumped into that, seeing as how I have a small toddler running around and probably would not appreciate seeing massive hordes <laughs> of undead people. Yeah, but, um... relate. Uh, I definitely waited <laughs> until my small beings nap time to watch that. <laughs> That's uh, something that looks right up my alley in terms of mm -hmm. just dumb fun. Um, beyond that, though, I've just been watching Tenet, the movie, probably way too many times because... It's one of those movies that really requires a second watch mm -hmm. and then a third watch. And then it's like, wow, 
I should stop watching this movie. That's a little too <laughs> so, much. Does it make sense? Like, there's this YouTube channel that I uh, I watch sometimes, and they the title's always deep or dumb, and they go through things oh. that are trying to be impactful or meaningful or whatever, and then you know, like, is it really or is it just not? Is just falling on it on its face? And I haven't seen Tenant, yeah. but does it succeed? Do you do you understand it now? It's definitely there's two parts to that movie that made me watch it over and over again. One is that Christopher Nolan now mixes his films to the point where it's like the music often overpowers what people are saying and it's it gets a yes. little bit too much and you're like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I missed something critical there. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is the concept behind it is so like crazy when you watch it the first time that your mind is trying to like figure out linearly what you're watching happen forward and back and all this stuff and they drop so much information like so quickly that you're you're just never really focused on the thing in front of you until you've watched it the second or third time and i think it's slowly rising in my uh tops for christopher nolan films even though at times it's like this is a little bit too out there but maybe not i don't know still I'd have to it. rewatch it because i just be distracted by robert pattinson all the time i just oh, yeah. rob i can't take my eyes off you he does sparkle a lot in this movie so <laughs> nice. just be ready all right you know maybe nolan he just in his studio he, you know, some audio tech just accidentally turned up his center channel. He's got like the voice. He, I can hear the voices perfectly clear. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Y'all's <laughs> sound systems are trash. And, I, I uh, will say watching it on like my iPad, which is definitely not where Christopher Nolan wanted me to watch that film. But that helped the second time to be able to hear things because those speakers really? don't even have the capacity to like... Wow. To, yeah. yeah, Oblivion. Huh. But I still yeah. highly recommend yeah. that movie. Yeah, so I wonder... Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't tried it. I've historically liked Christopher Nolan films, though, so... Yeah, I haven't tried it, it either. But as somebody who's, you know, enjoyed Inception, like, where would this be in relation like um, wise and quality of the film wise. I think it's right up there with it. It's um okay. They throw a lot more concepts at you quick cuz it's like an espionage film on top of this like crazy thing. So like you get in a scene, they give you all this information quick fire, then you get out and you get on to the next thing cuz I don't have time to explain like how we got there or who this guy is or whatever. <laughs> okay. But just watching the effects alone is worth going into it, even if like you walk out of it being like, that was meh. You'll still, the spectacle of it is really okay. itself worth the admission ticket. Okay. Sure. Great. Um, okay, Tenant, what else? What else has kept you busy this week? Um, that. I don't know if it's new, but the HBO series Mayor of Easttown, mm-hmm. that's actually been very good writing. Uh, Kate Winslet is a rough-and-tumble 
deputy something detective. I, I'm not quite sure on my ranks in the town police department, but um, it's a little bit of a murder mystery mixed with like small town and gritty detective. It's worth a watch. Okay. I haven't I seen Kate Winslet uh, in something for a while, but she is, she nails it. Nice. So you're are you all done with that now then or you're in the middle of it? I've got well I thought that the thing was done, but then I watched the last episode and it's like, well, that doesn't seem like an ending. So then it said <clears throat> new episode coming out Sunday and we were traveling, so I just haven't had a chance to check it out. So I'm not even sure if that is the final episode or Okay. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Let's there's all sorts of events. Cool. But yeah. How yeah, we, we talk about on the podcast how it's um, really easy to, for things to get lost in the shuffle. And, and this is a perfect example. I remember this being advertised, thinking it looked cool, and had then completely forgotten about it. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I still think I'm used to the... I'm watching television and I have the latest blockbuster thrown in my face every commercial break. You know, I know that's coming. Can't forget about it and go see it. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff that seems like it's coming out and you got to keep it on your radar. Otherwise, like that time where it's advertising, it's gone instantly and there's the next big thing because streaming is for sure taking over everything. So. Yeah. Lock it down. Yep. Um, I will say Alan posted in the our chat here that there is indeed a knife only run. Um, <laughs> oh my god! For Resume Village, though that is excluding, well, yeah, not including some boss fights. Um, <laughs> so I'm just imagining some moments, not knowing how that oh would work. Oh my god! Work. I love it. Knives but, out. So Andrea, I mean, <laughs> you better. Yeah, for my for my second run, I'll I'll go knives out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, foreshadowing for talk later in the episode. Knives mm-hmm. out. <laughs> um, yeah, I um, I am not, I am not quite done with the game because next week we're talking about Shadow and Bone, and I have not begun Shadow and Bone. So I've like put a break on it to try to power through Shadow and Bone. Um, but you're right, Dustin. <laughs> when you think you're done, then you're not done. So yeah, yeah, it surprises you. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with Village Shadow and Bone. Opened up with a very promising first episode, mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to to continuing with that for sure um in non like media related stuff i did my first session of taekwondo last night so that was fun i was i looked miserable i'm sure (laughs) i I was dead i i haven't done much cardio in a while so i had i common for me to have to like dry heave a bit so that happened i was uh it was bad. <laughs> good. It was good too. Like I made through it. 
learned a lot. So yeah, okay. it's good. What was your first? What was your first lesson? Did you like show up to the studio and it was all dark and no one was in there, and then they all just like jumped you for your first? <laughs> see how you fared, or yeah. I mean, that would be really in. That would be really interesting. Very. Mm. Um, I don't know. That would. I feel like that would scare off some people for sure. But uh, no, my brother and sister are brother-in-law and sister are doing it and um, they're having a blast. I've always wanted to do some martial arts. And so I got in there and they start you with it's like warm ups. You know, it's teaching you a few basics and the push ups and sit ups and stretches and that kind of thing. And then they kind of took me aside and, while the rest of the class worked on the stuff. And I they just taught me like four four different kicks and then try to move those into uh, three different like sequences. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I got to the sequences, my brain was dead, my body was dead, like, <laughs> so not great. But then, and then afterwards, Ashley did the kickboxing class, so. Okay. So yeah. Oh boy. So then it was her turn to, to feel the hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, at least you got to get into it right away. You didn't like, you know, have to, go through some Miyagi style, like doing chores first. Yes, right. <laughs> no, I have to, to learn, learn a little bit kick. of Korean, you know, and I'm like, God, can't I just do Japanese? Because I'd, I'd, I'd have it. But so I'm like writing Korean on my hands. Uh, <laughs> so remember how to count and stuff. So, yeah. And then you're getting all sweaty and it's all coming off and you don't know yeah. what's going on. Yeah, Alan says should have taken karate. Yeah, you know, but um, I was interested because it's it's like a lot of things. Your instructor makes a pretty big difference. You know, oh, like sure. you can go. There are many places you can do karate, and they're not all going to be created equal. And it's definitely the same for taekwondo. And and um, Val Nuka are just very happy with their instructor, and he seems like he. He doesn't has not watered down his standards as supposedly um, some parts of Taekwondo have. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it seems like a quality program. So nice. Yeah. Do they this might be a dumb question, but do they do the colored belts and all these different ones like you're you're starting out without a belt and then yep. moving up? Yep. Yep, so Val Luker at Green Belt, which I think is like four in. Um, okay. So, um, yes, I, I start with no belt. But, um, yeah, it sounds like they, what I, one of the students there was telling me was that this, uh, it used to be the Worldwide Taekwondo Foundation, so WTF. And they took, <laughs> they took the foundation part off or whatever, and... Um, yeah, sadly. Um, but it sounds like they've been like lowering the standards for achieving black belt and they want like everybody to get a black belt. And so mm -hmm. they were saying how um, this instructor follows kind of a different set of of practices that's more uh, to the original idea of it. So. OK, so you really feel accomplished when you get that black belt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, non media related, but it's going to be something that fills my my weeknights more. So, that's awesome. 
Um, and after I'm completely beat and I'm home, I'm going to need a drink maybe. <laughs> Probably not the best thing for my muscles and for healing, but... Uh, Soothe you know. your mind. Soothe your yes, mind. Yes, right. <laughs> so we have we have lots of drink occasions. Yes, now, huh? yes. Yeah, depending on, on where you want to look in the week. If you want to look back, um, at the end of May, we had Mint Julep Day on the 30th of May. And then, of course, uh, the final day of May was Memorial Day, which I know many people, you know, go out to barbecues and grab a grab a good old american beer so uh that's uh that's pretty much a staple of the holiday uh but if you're trying to look forward into the week this friday june 4th is cognac day and it is followed uh, by its much lower class cousin on the 5th moonshine day which uh is the day How that i am celebrating hey i'm celebrating it <laughs> i'm in there I'm not all yep. fancy with my cognac. I just got my my apple pie moonshine from Tennessee. So, nice. Cheers to that. You know, that's one thing you didn't hear about. Like you you're telling me that everybody is making sourdough, and I find out that I'm you know participating in this trend. That's right. I didn't hear about a lot of people setting up their own stills. Yes. You know? Yes. That should have happened. Of, yeah. Um, I know a lot more people have started to like, you know, either brew their own beer, make their own wine, like set up their own stills. Sourdough was just like the thing that was like, I think probably family friendly enough that it was just like, we're, everybody is doing this. Like it's taking over. Like even the kids can get on the sure. sourdough. Can't really get in on the still. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I mean, I'll John take it from like, the parents, I ever had a I don't, kid. you know, it's, uh, if I ever have one uh, of these little guys. Setting up a still. <laughs> Dustin, have you uh -huh. made made beer or anything like that? I have not, no. My cousin did marry into a family that made their own moonshine, and it was oh. perfect. It was okay, amazing. Okay. I was like, <laughs> this, was... Is like a, this is a thrill ride over here. I don't know if I'm happy or sad about this. Like, oh, it was, it's very so Very dramatic good. pausing. <laughs> he, he was the guy who would, like, everyone would come up to him after church, and they'd all walk over to his car trunk, and he'd hand out his latest <laughs> nice. batch to people. Nice. It was really good, yeah. I don't know if he's still doing it. He might have taken a hiatus, but okay. I told him. If you ever need someone to make art for his bottling, mm, yeah, for later. I'd be the one. All he has right. to do is pay me in moonshine. I love it. <laughs> good old, good old fashioned barter system. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, are you celebrating today or uh, adhering to any of the drink holidays? Uh, well, I tried real hard, and by tried, I didn't really try, and so I'm just. <laughs> Drinking a little bit of Surly Supreme, which is a new thing that I had no idea Surly made. It's just a really light uh, ale, tart ale, that almost is like on the verge of almost being a seltzer because it's so light, but it it's not. Interesting. Yeah, How it's is it? really like it's very falling good. out of love with Surly, and like I still try to oh. to try the new stuff. I just. I guess I'm like a child in that I'm sold by marketing as well. And the change in tone and appearance and the whole aesthetic, you know, I just was so into what they were. Mm. And so it's just, you know, things change. Of course they're going to, um, it's just, uh, 
yeah, I'm into the like, you know, giant bats from hell kind of thing in my beer. <laughs> you know, so they still got that, don't they? You're talking about like darkness and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they're still doing that. I suppose I, I'm not quite sure. My uh, my friend actually, uh, he taught me most of what I know when I joined or when I got my job. He actually won the Surly Darkness contest one year. He got his prints put on all their bottles for that year. I think so, I heard that. That's awesome. Yeah, that was cool. super sweet. Do you remember the year? It has to have been like four years ago now or four or five. I mean, I would say it was like a couple years ago, but then my mind yeah. is like, wait, last year, nothing happened. So that means there's <laughs> at least one more year lost added year. on to what I think it was. So, But he had a big three-headed dog Cerberus. Oh, um, yes. His. Okay. I they awesome. may very well have that bottle yet. I uh, oh well well I definitely have the bottle if it's not been consumed. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> or if it what I either have it still new or I have the bottle yet empty one way yes. or the other. So. Oh, Alan's got a couple too. He's got two or three. Oh my gosh, Alan. Okay. <laughs> Show off, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I applaud you guys for just even holding on to them for more than a week. So, <laughs> well I, done. Uh, I intend to have a shelf in here. I want to do, so the thing is I have comic books right now in one spot, but I'd like to do a shelf below it that is cam- old cameras that I have uh, collected. And then, um, yeah, that so that's the one there, huh? Alan that's the one. I don't know if you can see that. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. And then a shelf above that is like the best of beer bottles. Um, oh, so, nice. yeah. Yep. Um, well, I, I'm contributing uh, along with Andrea here. Uh, of, this is probably doesn't look it to our video <laughs> viewers, but it is also a moonshine, but it's a uh, like coffee moonshine. And uh, I got it from uh, Deadwood last year. Okay. So it's very good. And it's very good in coffee, uh, as you might imagine. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. But just on the rocks tonight. Um, Speaking of on the rocks, James Bond has been purchased. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Getting into a bit of news here. Amazon, the behemoth has hoovered up the company of MGM. Mm -hmm. uh, Those that uh, own the rights to James Bond amongst a litany of other things. Right. Do you guys have thoughts on this? Thoughts on Bond? Thoughts on all the recent acquisitions in the uh, entertainment industry? I think the main question is... Why? <laughs> What's he going for? He really just wants to get in on all the the streaming juggernauts going on. Yeah, yeah. Be the well, uh, the next Netflix. You know, somebody's. Do you mean be why? It. From like Amazon's perspective or MGM's like perspective? I'm guessing Bezos. You mean? 
Yeah, I uh, I did initially mean that, but also, yeah, why MGM is are are they selling because they're in trouble or they're just decided like this guy has money, let's do it. Sure. I don't know. I think I think MGM's been uh, like on the the chopping block kind of mm -hmm. for a while. You know, okay. some of these studios they have IP that they have not been able to um you know, really cash in on, you know, like I was looking at a list of some of them. Poltergeist, Pink Panther, Robocop, Rocky, Creed, Thomas Crown Affair, Handmaid's Tale, and Vikings. So there's a couple in there, but like clearly the thing is James Bond. And like we haven't had our James Bond for a while. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, when was the last time they cashed in on Robocop for Pink Panther? You know, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Yeah, there was that uh, RoboCop reboot. I wonder if if now they'll try and reboot it again. Maybe as a series. Yeah, yeah I could see that yeah. working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, out of out of a lot of the things listed, I could see RoboCop actually working best as a series. Mm -hmm. I can't really see a Pink Panther series. Duh. You know, who knows? They could make a series out of anything, I guess. Right. Yeah. But well, not from... James Bond. That was made very <laughs> clear in the acquisition. Wasn't there like a young James Bond show that is like yeah. lost in the ether that might see the light of day again? Right. And I was unclear if that was like live action or animated. Mm, um, yeah. I guess which I would be know. interesting. But that, you know, at least that's not really what you think of when you think of Bond. Like, it, like I would be... Yeah curious about a show like that and like might you know check out what it is but at least i feel like with the terms set and how much control um the family still has over like the bond series it doesn't feel like bezos is just gonna come in and be like i get to make a james bond movie like no <laughs> slow your roll <laughs> yeah because they still have like casting and some other yes. stuff like hold on production so it seems kind of strange that that's like the biggest thing that people are talking about with this acquisition when it's probably like the least likely that he'll make any changes to. Exactly. Exactly. Which like I feel happy about. Yeah. I mean, you know, James, James Bond series, like, um, you know, and when I say series, I mean the series of movies, not the, the other series. Cause obviously I obviously haven't seen it. Um, but you know, there's there's been some stumbles. Um, there's also been some great movies recently. Could it use a fresh perspective? In my opinion, yes. But it's not going to be like Jeff Bezos and any creative team over there. So <laughs> yeah. Well, has it been? I don't know if it's been talked about, but um, you know, are we going to get then what like HBO Max is doing? And so we're going to have theatrical release along with day mm -hmm. one on Amazon prime. Like how is the distribution going to go? Because they've been, yeah. you know, they were shopping around to sell the latest James Bond movie that's done and been done for a long time mm -hmm. to someone, you know, like Apple, will you buy it from us? So whoever, you know, like buy this movie and put it on your service. And they were asking to according to everybody else too much. So they went, mm -hmm. there were no takers. So I suppose, you know, I suppose they see the potential that hey theaters they've they've been on a downward trajectory 
And with this mm -hmm. last year, obviously even worse, like, will they fully recover? Are we fully in the streaming world? We don't need to like try to set up our own infrastructure for streaming and the whole mm -hmm. thing that a lot of companies make a mistake of thinking like, I feel like you get these people in a boardroom that, you know, they're in every day and then think their properties are just, everybody's in love with them. They're more important than they are and mm -hmm. think, oh, of course people will pay $10 a month for all our amazing content. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to show, you know, we're going to show them how worth it this is. And then it's right. just like, it's another thing, you know, people aren't going to buy on top of Netflix. So I think going right. to someone um, is a good future proof thing, even though like you lose autonomy. I think mm -hmm. that, yeah, if you want to stay afloat, this might be the better route. Yeah. I do think this is an interesting time, however, for any studios to be making this kind of move since now is the time when theaters are opening up again. And mm -hmm. it's like, this is about the time where you could see like, yes, people are going back to the theaters and, you know, you know, they're kind of re falling in love with the experience of going to the movie theater because it's something that's been denied them this past year and everybody's very excited or no, like just kidding. Everybody does like to stay in their houses now. And like, we like our, you know, we like being a shut in and we like getting our movies like in home. So it's like, mm -hmm. if you just waited a little bit, you sort of could tell how the trend is going to go maybe. Yeah. So just like I said, it just seems like an odd time. I mean, of course, I'm sure this deal was in the works prior obviously to now um and probably for quite some time but it just feels like the news is hitting at an odd time yeah yeah it's, it, it almost is like he just saw the opportunity and figured that there's probably more pros for having that in the future even if he doesn't know what they all are and then sure. he, he just had to wait a couple of days to be able to get up enough money to earn enough money from Amazon to be able to buy it. And then mm -hmm. it's not even a big deal to them. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, some pocket change we talk from Bezos. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, will you take this for MGM? <laughs> I think we talked about it last week or the week before that about that, that poll you found, Andrea, that was yeah. uh, suggesting that as the age range goes down mm -hmm. like the youth are very interested in spending their time in video games and with music mm -hmm. and um whereas the idea of was always that as kids grow up they will fall into the same entertainment habits and prefer the same kind of content as adults now or whatever and that's not been showing to be the case mm -hmm. and so it's almost like well all our all our content and our our industry is kind of a uh, an old one that you can see a bit of not only is our distribution method old but maybe even just you know what as baseball was once america's pastime it is no longer mm -hmm. uh the theater and movies may be on that chopping block as well and sure. sell while your price is high before you've you know you're you're IP or whatever is diminished further or your industry that you're in is diminished further. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, it's that's long-term thinking, I suppose, you know, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a gamble either way, you know, mm -hmm. 
that you're trusting that, you know, even though movies and TV are on the decline, that, you know, people are still going to reach for a streaming service because it's more easily accessible than, like, take time to go to the movies or, like, there's, like, a resurgence of, like, oh, this, like, retro thing that, you know, going to the movies, it's so cool again. Like, let's go do that. You know what I mean? Like, there's... Mm -hmm. There's like waves and trends all over the place. And it's just like, where do you place your bets? So. Well, yeah. And the issue I think comes to like, because there are boutique theater experiences now, like better mm -hmm. theater experiences, doesn't mean that's going to be everywhere. You know, it's right, just right. like, I think those things can survive. Um, I think theaters can survive. They just have to be a little different and they're not going to mm -hmm. be everywhere. They're not going to be the thing. I think that's right. fine. Right. Ultimately. Do you love the theater experience, Dustin? Or are you like okay watching stuff at home or you know? I will say ever since I snuck onto HBO Max, um, <laughs> I have been loving like the things that come out the same day that I wouldn't have probably given a chance in the theater. Sure. But there is something that I still love about the theater. It's like it's an event. You're going out there to eat way more popcorn than you should and sit in hopefully one of those reclining chairs, which is super awesome. Um, mm -hmm. And there, there is something to say about the feel of other people enjoying something with you at the same time. Like yeah. there's, there's movies that I know I wouldn't have had the same reaction if I didn't hear all the other people laughing or, mm -hmm. you know, getting excited or I'll never, ever forget the moment when like spoiler alert at the end of Endgame when uh Captain America picks up Thor's hammer and everyone just like pooped their pants and just went crazy. <laughs> like that was like, probably one of the coolest theater experiences I've ever had. So And then it smelled. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Luckily that was pretty close to the end of the movie. So it yeah. was fun. That's yeah. That's honestly hilarious that you picked Endgame to share like a movie theater experience about because I also have a very clear memory of going to Endgame. It was sadly like past, you know, it's it's peak, like it had been out for a couple weeks, but I was on like a family vacation and couldn't get to the theater. Okay. Um, so I went to like a 9 p.m. showing and there was like me and three other people in the theater and... Um, I remember being in there and also spoiler alert, um, the moment when Iron Man dies mm. and I was just like sitting in the theater, just like crying, like tears streaming down my face. It was like so real to me. And like the other three people in the theater were like looking at me and I was making them so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like one of them eventually came over and like handed me a napkin and was like sorry. Oh, oh. I was just like wow. it was it was very nice of him. I'm sure he was just like like what do I do for this lady well, over here? Like yeah. <laughs> So it was just like one of those experiences that I like I remember and I'm sure they do too. I'm sure they go home and like they went home and told stories about like this crazy lady in the theater was just like sobbing like Yeah, you gave them a memory <laughs> <laughs> you give them memory they'll never forget it's great exactly exactly so we're now we're now tied together in some weird freakish way but uh yeah <laughs> nice yeah. yeah i'm totally for the like i absolutely want the convenience as well of the mm -hmm. i do this with xbox game pass i try things all the time just on a whim yeah. that's way easier that 
but I I am all for the live experience as well, the in-person thing. I there's podcasts that I just I'll only listen to if I catch them live. Like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go back and listen to it or whatever. I am there to listen right. to it live. I know that they're speaking live. It's more like they're speaking to you. And if you prefer to be an insane person in it and interact with chat, you can, you know, so, <laughs> nice. um, but yeah. And, you know, concerts for sure, yeah. you know, all that sort of thing. Absolutely. In the in-person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Like I, I'm super excited for the upcoming Dune movie. I don't know anything about Dune, even though I've heard like tons of things, but I love Denis Villeneuve. He's such a good filmmaker that I just, I can't watch it anywhere but the theater. I need to go and see that in the theater because that just seems like the perfect movie to take it in with yeah. all that in your face. Mm-hmm. So do we I'm know excited. when that's coming out now? I believe October or sometime around that. I Alan, <laughs> Alan will figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andrew and I were intending to read Dune before the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd still like to but, do that. Yeah, see, yeah. I, I kind 1st. of want to, but October I kind 1st. of don't. October 1st? Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I suppose well, it was just the first book, you know? Well, and I mean, hmm. we could always do the thing book. where... Yeah, it's it's <laughs> still pretty thick. Um, we That's could always do the thing where I read it. <laughs> I did, I softball that up for you, really, truly. <laughs> um, but I could always read it, and you don't, because I feel like we have such interesting opinions when we watch things, like our no. discussion a couple of weeks ago of Woman in the Window, where I had read it and you hadn't. Yeah. And upcoming this week, Shadow and Bone, I'm assuming you haven't read the book. Right. And I have. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, so, could assign me a little well, bit of we'll homework get, here, I guess. We'll get <laughs> Dustin back on, so one way or another, we'll have a perspective yes. that is not having read the books. So, yeah. <laughs> I was like, exactly uh, why I brought it up. Well, yeah, I won't give myself <laughs> the goal of having read it before that movie, but yeah, at first I was thinking like, okay, I'm excited because I've been hearing that it it will, you know, be the best version of Dune out there because there have been a few in the past. Right. Um, and I want to get excited while I'm like, there's something about a movie where I enjoy being dropped in and being like, now I have to figure this out. It's, it's unfurling before my eyes. And then yes. there's always that feeling of like, everyone says this is like one of the best sci-fi novels ever. Mm-hmm. So I almost don't want to give myself like the really good stuff before I get the thing that might not be as great or something and then be yep. like oh they should have done this differently like, i want to sure. i want that movie to suck me in so much that i need to go back and read it or listen to audio tape because let's not kid myself i'm i never read anything <laughs> <laughs> as much as i try i made it to bilbo leaving and smoking on his pipe and i was like wow that's how far i made it that's <laughs> <laughs> That's like eighty pages. What the hell? <laughs> so yeah, no, I I completely understand. Um, I I mean, to me, Star Wars is basically dead. So I'm looking for that next, like, sci-fi 
something amazing to pull me in another world to really mm -hmm. get me. And I, my, my hopes right now are kind of in uh, Dune and maybe f the foundation uh, okay. on Apple TV plus foundation. when that hits. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's an uh, Isaac Asimov mm -hmm. novel um, and that they're the Apple TV plus is converting into, I don't know if it's a film or a series, one of the two, but hmm, cool. yeah. So I'll have to look into that one. Yeah. Um, well, we kind of drifted, but we were talking about Amazon. And so mm -hmm. on that same track, you found something else, Andrea, uh, that's yes. Amazon's dealing with in their entertainment industry. Yes. Amazon related news. Um, obviously Amazon is the, uh, the powerhouse behind the mega successful series, the boys, which is on Amazon prime video um and for anybody who's also you know who's not only a fan of the boys but also a fan of supernatural uh jensen ackles is going to be on the next season of the boys and there is a picture going around twitter of his first day on the set um mm -hmm. and i was very excited to see this i was super pumped about it and then i made the mistake of reading the comments <laughs> on this and there was a whole big long debate on on the comments of this photo that was just released about if this was a spoiler or not, if the author should have tagged this and said caution spoilers ahead. Oh. And I I was like, I don't really feel like this is a spoiler because the author clarified that this isn't his outfit that he's wearing. This is like a down moment where he's just in his clothes for a rehearsal walkthrough of uh, you know like okay. what they're going to be shooting and somebody was like well I can see his facial hair and i know you know what his face is going to look like now like what his character is going to look like i don't know i feel like that's asking a lot of somebody to be like you should have like hashtag spoilers hashtag you know spoilers the boys and whatever in this photo like what do you guys think like is this like a reasonable request to say, like you should have put spoiler. Is this like fans being way too demanding? With when this guy was clearly just excited to share this photo. Yeah, is you it? Uh, they're mad because they're now going to be able to maybe piece together what character he is from the comics. I or... I'm guessing. I'm at least I'm hoping. Like if if it's literally just about like now I know what his hair is going to look like then. That's really, really <laughs> sad. <laughs> but yeah, yeah not... I just feel like this is like a stretch for people to be complaining that this person person should have said spoilers. But I mean, I, being I a normie when it comes to the boys and not having read it, I, I really wouldn't know. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it'd be something like, you know, if it was a a Star Wars thing and you really had no idea if a certain character was returning or whatever, they try to hide them from set and whatever. And so sharing that right. kind of thing would obviously be an issue. But if you know that he's cast for the show, he's he's going to be there and they're maybe, yeah, maybe keeping the role under wraps. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's not like fans of it have been like, oh, well, now we know this character's in there. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, if it's a big deal or not. Circumstantial. It definitely seems like it only really applies to anybody who is 
very familiar with the comics and mm -hmm. knows or is speculating what's coming up next because right. I look at that picture and I, it's I, yeah sure right. it's, a, it's a guy standing there right I like know. I I would have gotten it if it was like him in his like suit whatever that is now like whatever you know superhero mm. suit he's gonna have or mm -hmm. not have or whatever if it was like something iconic but again like this guy made very clear these are his street clothes that he's just walking right. through in. And I was just like, man, it just feels like a bit of a stretch for, for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Alan. Yeah, uh, that yeah. is what guys look like him. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'd agree. I think that if you're, if you're a fan of source material or whatever, and they're adapting your stuff that you, that you care about, you always yeah. kind of need to watch out to not look at stuff like that, you know, not look at mm -hmm. behind the scenes or whatever. If you're worried about it, because yeah, you're you're gonna understand mm -hmm. uh, potentially, you know. And a lot of people like that; they want to know. So, right. yeah, I just, I mean, I was just excited about it because I I love the boys and uh, I I love Supernatural, and I was just like, oh, I'm excited about Jensen Ackles being on the show, like cool here's a picture of his first day on set like how fun and like you know mm -hmm. get you excited and amped up for the show and then and then it was like a whole blow up in the comments which you know you should never you should never read the comments obviously but yeah since, I don't know, I, but... since I made that mistake <laughs> <laughs> the more I look at it the more I'm questioning like he's got his hands in his pockets does his character even have hands yeah. There's, there's just so many questions. His hands might, are always cold, maybe. That's clearly right. a giveaway. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Tommy are, Frost seen... fingers. <laughs> the coolest you watched, superhero um, of them all. <laughs> the boys at all? or um... I have. I okay. thoroughly enjoyed season one and two. Um, mm -hmm. I thought it was a great take, even though it was written... How many years ago now? I'm sure Alan will pop up some number here, but it seemed like it was very like current way of thinking about superheroes, but it's mm -hmm. a fairly old comic from what I've heard. Um, so I was just surprised that like no one had had that take on it before. Sure. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I can't wait to see where they go with it. Agreed. I think uh, great stories are always... Uh pretty timeless and universal so mm -hmm. you know it would be interesting no matter what time this is in and and yeah it is a unique take on superheroes one that is not only different but seems exceedingly plausible mm -hmm. i think you know it's like that you just have these people that would essentially be corporate entities mm -hmm. um i think that that's completely possible yeah yeah my my friends had read some of the comics or at least enough beyond these seasons and they said that you know the changes that they had made made the show even better than what the comic was oh, nice. so i thought that right. was kind of awesome yeah 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 i'm uh i'm always interested as somebody who usually like reads the source material even though i haven't read the, the comics um you know when when people are of the opinion that you know the show or the movie is better which mm -hmm. is part of i think what i'm excited about to talk about next week with shadow and bone like, because hmm. that was like the first thing that came out in all the reviews was like, oh, it's so much better than the book. So oh, it's always sweet. fun to hear that. Sweet. 
Yeah, I love it when I'm justified and not having to read something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I don't know what to do for a transition that wouldn't be considered pretty toxic, I guess. So we're just going to launch into (laughs) it. Uh, Star Wars. So uh, we know Dustin's a big... Yeah, never seen <laughs> uh, no, we're we're all pretty big Star Wars here. I think that's safe to say. Um, it's so we've had a. It's been a while now, but Andrew and I had a very long episode, mm-hmm. very long talk, just all Star Wars, <laughs> kind of breaking it down um, and our thoughts. But you weren't there, so we don't didn't know your thoughts. So I thought I'd take the opportunity when we have a story in the news about J.J. Abrams interview he did um, where he's sort of, he's asked about if he likes the way that they sort of handed off the visions, you know, like changing hands for the trilogy and if he liked that approach and whatever. And he's sort of, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the, a lot of the internet took it and sort of ran in a more like, I don't know. I, when I saw the headlines and then I read it, there were two separate things in, mm-hmm. in ways. Um, yep. But he did very much sort of have trouble spitting out um, what he liked and didn't like about the process they had. And um, I guess before we get into any of that necessarily, what what is your take on S- Star Wars in general and the state of Star Wars and anything you feel like sharing in that oh boy um so so much uh here i can i can i can can start you off with a very like focused Mm. question because this has been a source of debate between john and i okay Uh, so i'm interested to know where you fall on this okay (laughs) john's like oh oh it's on now let's see (laughs) this okay whatever dustin says is the tiebreaker and we have to do that Oh, oh boy! God. Okay. All right. So one of you is gonna Dustin. hate me forever. <laughs> Pressure's on, Dustin, right. and I won't right. tell you who's who. Um. So yeah. we've had a debate about how to watch Star Wars, and oh. whether or not you should start, um, with Episode One, and and take it there, like chronologically in the Star Wars universe. Um, mm. Or if you should start chronologically with release date and start with A New Hope, kind of watch the original trilogy and then go, okay, now I can go back and now I can go forward. So what Is this would you just be? the Skywalker saga or is this also the ancillary like Rogue One and Solo? We definitely discussed incl- the inclusion of the other content mm-hmm. yeah okay. uh, one of us i i don't know if i'd say one of us has a specific view and one of us has another but uh yeah like, i know I where mean, i stand on that yeah okay. i think we were we were mostly talking about like the skywalker saga but we did also talk about of course like the ancillary movies okay well um sorry to whichever of you i am currently <laughs> defying right now but i think i have to stick with starting out with the release date of starting the original trilogy of four, five, six. Oh, no. 
Oh my god. But here's why. Here's why. Here's why. You would say the right answer. Okay. All right. Here's why. I don't believe that watching it from one to nine is wrong. I think that is still a great way to watch it. But for me personally, the the importance of the prequel trilogy is knowing where Anakin is going and being able to see those seeds planting and how that stuff came to be. Otherwise, I feel like a lot of stuff gets lost in which you have to, or you would want to maybe go back and watch them after you see the story of Luke and Darth Vader after that. And then the sequel trilogy is a whole other thing that always comes last no matter what. So um, I just feel like I wouldn't have really... Because do they even say that his name is Anakin in 4, 5, and 6? There's a trivia question. Yes, they do. They do. Okay. Uh, Obi-Wan is... uh, Obi-Wan tells Luke about that. Definitely in like uh, spirit form. No okay. Jedi ghost form. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just feel like someone coming into it, not knowing anything about Star Wars, that's gonna I mean one of the greatest twists of all time, no one will ever deny, is the in Cloud City when Luke is told that Darth Vader is his father. Mm-hmm. And if you're savvy enough, you're going to know that before you even get to that film, understanding where Luke came from. So it's like you're taking away some of the punch of both the prequels and the original trilogy if you're seeing everything chronologically, in my mind. Now, after you've seen them all, I've definitely gone through and watched them one through nine because oh, yeah. it's fun to see it progress but i feel like for someone who doesn't know anything the best way to unroll that story is the way that it was released because that's the way they thought about how to make those films mm-hmm. at least like mm-hmm. george lucas didn't want to jump into the nitty-gritty of politics in space mm-hmm. on his first movie because he knew no one would get on board with that so like I mean, so I I take your point, and I I think that's always the one thing that I've like the one holdup was yes the reveal of mm-hmm. Luke's father is the one piece you know and I understand also the going through them in the release order and then wanting to see how you got there, but a lot of things do the the from the beginning and then you it's when you go back that you appreciate, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like when you watch a film, you don't notice all the foreshadowing and then you mm-hmm. go back and like, ah, all those moments that were like telegraphed to me and like that mm-hmm. now make more sense, you know? So it is, it is the benefit of the second viewing um, that you definitely, um, you get some of those things. And with the original intent, like I'm definitely usually for the idea of like following the original intent of Lucas. But part of that is, uh, if I remember correctly, he is he had his nine films or at least six, and he didn't know if he was going to get to make more than one. So mm-hmm. 
he was he had a sort of pick where am i gonna do this so if he had been given carte blanche yeah of course we want your space opera that no one is interested in you know whatever of course we want that here's all this money would he have instead gone and done one through nine mm -hmm. or would he have mm -hmm. still chosen to start in the middle where like i think in his mind was the core of the of the conflict right and there was mm -hmm. you know on the resolution and stuff versus like the how we how we got there if yeah. you know so it's like if you had to chop something what are you gonna chop mm -hmm. well to me like i always think it's it's so fascinating to watch like the middle trilogy first and then you know not only obviously for like the surprise of the reveal you know that darth vader is luke's father but also like this is the character and and this is how you know he's like the, the bane of you know the rebel alliance's existence and then you like go back to the first movie and you see this adorable little kid and you're like how do we get here like that's part of like the hook that's part of the pull of like you know i am mm -hmm. so invested to see like where this adorable little eight-year-old goes or you know obviously depending on your view some find him annoying um but for me it was like this cute little kid doing pod races and then like how do we get to you know part man part machine all evil you know or you know 98 yeah. percent evil because luke sees some mm -hmm. redeeming qualities but semantics right you know i i just mm -hmm. thought that was like part of the hook of the first trilogy um and when i say first i mean chronologically first mm -hmm. is that like i just have no idea how we're going to get here and i'm fascinated to find out yeah i would say that if george lucas did have all the authority like he somehow gained all of his notoriety and they're like do it make your nine films whatever you want to do he definitely would not have done the first th three or episodes one, two, and three the same way he did because he wouldn't have had, you know, the audience knowing who these characters were and how to weave them back in time to see where they got to that point. They would have, it would have probably been a little bit closer to the original trilogy where he's following, um, the hero's journey and i mean i know he kind of does that on his own in most of the movies but um i think he would have approached it totally different because you wouldn't be looking at that little boy being like that's you <laughs> like you'd just be like okay this little kid jar jar binks is obviously going to become darth vader so <laughs> he's obviously already the worst <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but, i mean but that would be the twist in that, right? Would be we're experiencing the hero's journey. You know, you're seeing Anakin. He's so you know leave home um, and rise up to something greater, and then we see him becoming like uh, troublesome. You know, and it's mm -hmm. it's are you going to get over that phase and right. become the the hero, or mm -hmm. are you gonna like stick on this path? And yeah, you know, I think most people would assume. Okay, he's he's troubled, but he's our hero, you know, and mm -hmm. or how would we see that, you know, and obviously yeah. it, it would be. Yeah, I don't know. It would be very di it'd be very different. Like, imagine the first time you hear like. Like the that like throne room kind of theme, that evil mm -hmm. theme 
when they give you just a little bit when he is like on Tatooine and he kills all the Tusken Raiders and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the first time you hear it. Obviously yeah. that means so much more to you in that moment, having mm -hmm. known knowing right. that piece of music, uh, you know, that alone, yeah. um, that creates greater impact there. I just, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm envious of the person that is able to see these, one through nine well one through six and uh <laughs> experience, experience that yeah because i'll never get to experience that uh yeah. and i want to know what that's like you know is would we appreciate his descent um like more having mm -hmm. it one way or the other you know I, I think some people felt it was a little oh it's a little quick you know his his slide mm -hmm. to the dark side and like turning um yeah and i think I mean, maybe sir there's some other content that gives more context but would you feel like oh that's quick because we know where he's going or is it like would it be worse the other way around sure yeah i mean it's, it's tough I'll because say. i feel like unfortunately yeah sorry i'll just say quick like unfortunately the first three are a bit unevenly paced in terms of his descent like the third is really where like the meat of it all happens and while that's like incredibly compelling that move that movie especially it does feel like you wish that a little bit of that could have been spread out more you know even if even if you had the first movie where like it was all fine and it was all good and like you're still like on the edge of your seat anticipating when that darkness is going to start creeping in um it does feel like it could have been introduced a bit earlier in the second movie just so we can mm -hmm. like feel like it's a bit more of a believable progression rather than like a bit rushed in the third. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And I think that in the end, if he had written it in the chronological order and not like done the first one, which was for thinking this would be his only time to make a movie. Right. Then I think he would have structured it differently and we yes. would have had completely different beats and all that leading up to what needed to be important for those films so that just the fact that he was going back and building off of something that's happening in the future that makes the story that's being told best experienced in that order but if he did you know start with number one then i'm sure that it probably wouldn't get even though i enjoyed a lot more these days, Phantom Menace, than I did the first couple times I watched it. Um, I don't think he would have gone where he did with that and probably built a little bit more of like the intrigue into that first movie to gain momentum through the next two. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm not George Lucas. I can't really tell you what that movie would have been. Um, but I think just the way it, it turned out, that I'm always going for the most enjoyment of a film. And I feel like that's, if you have no recollection of what's going on, that would be the way to kind of go along with the surprises and climaxes, all that stuff. So good. answer. well, good answer. it's, it's settled. <laughs> Andrew, you win. We have a guest on talk about and he, you know, he settles it for us. So that's the way it goes. It's great to see you all. Yeah. Sorry, I can never come back again. John just shuts off your stream. <laughs> yeah.
don't have that power right now. That's in Alan, Alan's hand. So, yeah. Alan, you're um, on my side, man. <laughs> well, so you brought I'm it kidding. up then no that, that you um, have, like, view the Phantom Menace differently now than you did before. And and pre-stream, you had mentioned a little bit how, like, yeah, the the, the view of star wars and your take on it kind of shifts over time mm-hmm. um how how has it shifted over time and why and what 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 do you think is behind that uh well i would have to say that i've gained a lot more appreciation for the prequels i should probably preface everything with andrea you probably don't know my history with star wars whereas when i was a young child I knew, like, nothing about Star Wars other than what was in pop culture. Like, I knew the mm-hmm. Who Got Me Father and stories made out of light, and that was about it. Um, <laughs> but my family, like, no one was ever interested in it, and it just never made its way into my circle. Um, and then college hit, and I started really getting into Samurai, being like, Samurai's awesome, and then I found out through research that the Jedi were based on samurai and George Lucas watched a lot of Akira Kurosawa films. Um, yeah, Alan just corrected me. I know Luke, I am your father is the misquoted all the time. Yep. That's how it's spread in pop culture. So yeah. (laughs) I was going to say it's like Um, the bastardization of the quote, but it's like what everybody mm -hmm. knows. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's what everyone thinks it is. Um, Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, you know, Star Wars seems like it should be right up my alley. Why am I not, like, into it? And I think it might have been a little bit of, like, previous to college, I went to see, like, the prequels with my friends who were super excited. But they're like, you gotta come see this. And then I saw it in episode one, you know, for a kid in, what was it, middle school? Mm -hmm. I was just like, this is what you're into? This is, like, awesome one. (laughs) Well, it had some interesting stuff, but like it wasn't anything that I was going crazy over. Sure. Um, and then the next ones came out, and it's like, okay, cool, cool. But I don't know. It just never caught me on when I was a kid, and it never caught me on the prequels. And then for some reason, Force Awakens come out. I think I'll just go see it because whatever. It's the new big movie, and I was hooked. Like, J.J. Abrams has a way of kind of, well, his mystery box technique is, like, very effective. And there's a reason for that and reason why I probably shouldn't use it. But it did what it needed to do, and it hooked me. And I was like, okay, that gave me the bug. I went back, watched them all again. I'm like, okay, I'm in probably too deep. So then I started... (laughs) watching the videos, listening to the things, getting the new yeah. theories. Um, and then, yeah, I was, you know, they cleared the legends, but I still, like, learned some of the legend stuff. And and it was kind of nice to have a place to get into it because everything else had kind of been, like, there's so much on it. And now it's like I literally have a clean slate that I can actually be up on this. So that was kind of nice. And... um I just kept on going with it, and before I knew it, like, I'd talked to my brother-in-law, who was, like, the know-all Star Wars guy, 
I'd be like, oh, did you hear about this? Like the crystal bleeding, weird stuff like that. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, you don't even know, man. Let me tell you. So, um, yeah, I got really into it. The sequel trilogy did what it needed for me. Like it got me excited. Um, and I walked out of Last Jedi, not really quite sure how I felt because sure. I had such a strong, like, I got to get me a lightsaber and do some backflips once I came out of The Force Awakens. But when I came out of Last Jedi, I was not quite sure, but there's still some super strong stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the last one got me back mm-hmm. into that kind of, it was fun, but it kind of it's the safe bet of trying to please every single possible Star Wars fan. Um, and I've let like my thoughts and feelings cool on that. And I've come to the conclusion that just like the prequels, they're not perfect. They have a lot of issues, but there's some really good spots and there's some really bad spots. And I'm just going to love the stuff that I love and not worry about if it destroyed my childhood because I never had a childhood with it. So maybe that helps as well. Um, sure. But, you know, I think I have all sorts of theories, which I think we'll get into more with the interview with J.J. Abrams, um, which I think have been pretty much kind of proven through different uh, interviews and stuff at this point, but I'm excited to see where they go with it now because finally, like everybody's been asking for, like they've got the clean slate to start the new stuff. I believe last week, the High Republic uh, first wave of stuff has been coming out, and so I've been kind of interested in checking some of that out and see where they're going with that. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, just like you'd mentioned how your mood on it and thoughts have kind of changed. So you you'd, you address that, you know, and how it's because I've, you know, I've had this. I wanted to think that it was possible that I would feel the same way about the sequel trilogy um, as as with the prequel trilogy, because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was in the situation where having grown up, I don't know, from seven or or 10 or something like that, like being diehard into Star Wars, that then when the prequel trilogies came out, like I've, I've said I've never gone to a Star Wars movie in the theater that I didn't walk out loving. But then like I calmed down and then think about it again and episodes one and two for me were pretty big disappointments but over the years um yeah i've i've way cooled on that and what i've come to why that's not going to happen for me with the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. and andrea and i have talked about this is mm-hmm. that the that my issues with the prequel trilogy and my issues with the original trilogy have nothing to do with story structure, like bullet points. What happens if you're going to explain it to someone, like just narrate to them like concisely what happens in episodes one through six. I don't have any problems. It all makes sense to me. 
I like the the rise of certain characters and the falls of other and the the drama that takes place. Um, and then I get to the sequel trilogy, and I have major problems with the structure because the sad thing is the production value of the sequel trilogy is far and above. I mean, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. The visuals, the cinematography on some things are just better than anything mm-hmm. Star Wars has done before. Mm-hmm. It, there, it has every right to be the best Star Wars, but it can't be because they shit on so much. Because the story no longer, I no longer approve of the general story. So whereas I could have issues with small things, acting, unnecessary characters, whatever things in the past, I can't overlook the giant, the big parts that I have problems Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. in the the sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, sorry, just to quickly interject, for me, like the... The problem with the story isn't that like, oh, I think they should have taken this character another way, or I demand a rewrite of this particular incident, or, you know, that that kind of like nitpicky thing. It's sort of like I have issues with the inconsistency of the story, of the back and forth, of the, you know, we're going to take this character this way, just kidding, we're going to take them over here, just kidding, now we're taking them back. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the whiplash that I get with the story rather than like how dare they write you know in episode eight in the last Jedi how dare that they write that Luke dies in this particular fashion you know like I I would have much preferred x y and z to happen I don't want to get that specific about the story it's that that I was taken over here and then this director took me over here and then J.J. Abrams came in in the last part and tried to take me back over here, skipped like six or seven major plot holes to make it happen, and the storyline suffered. So, yeah. so I just, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm like one of those fans who's like, how dare you like make this storyline this way? It's like, no, if you were going to make the storyline this way, you can't like, you know, just conveniently skip over X, Y, and Z to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I... I completely agree with you i think number one me understanding how the sequel trilogy came to be the way that it is and how disjointed it feels isn't really like an excuse for it's like it's okay for that however but i do understand that it was almost Mm -hmm. it well it was flawed from the get-go um for multiple reasons Mm -hmm. it's um the the production of it was, and I understand why they kind of thought this way of like, okay, we need to start this off and we need to get, you know, three different directors to kind of do it and take the story where it needs to go because, you know, George Lucas kind of did that where he did write it, but then he had some help and he had different directors right. for the original trilogy. And of course, they're trying to always recreate that same magic that the original trilogy can have. Um, so they're like, we got to have an entry point for people who have never seen it before. And I'm not going to lie. JJ Abrams is probably one of the best people for just getting people invested in the start of something and then running away. Because I think he's kind of proven that he does that with all of his stuff. Like he started up Star Trek 
he did Lost. Everybody was into that. Um, but he's never really, like, finished anything. And his whole mystery box technique that I've looked into on writing techniques, like, it's great. It's it's for the power of imagination because the things that you can think of are infinite when they don't have anything to stick to. And that is so powerful for somebody. But the problem is, is when that becomes the focus, now you have to answer those questions and that gets messy. And all he did, he laid the foundation, which was the original plan to basically let's make you as interested in this franchise as possible and then we'll pass it on to the next two directors and writers to figure out where that story takes you. Mm-hmm. And so he basically opened up a whole world of questions, especially with Ray's lineage. And then they gave it to Ryan Johnson, which I love Ryan Johnson. So I was super excited for him mm-hmm. to write this because his other films are great. And I know that he's a great writer, yeah. but, and I, I will defend Last Jedi a little bit. Like it's it's got its moments, and it's pretty much you split the film down the middle. And anything with Kylo Ren and Rey, I love. And anything with the other characters, it's kind of like, why am I watching this? But we won't get too far into that. But basically, I think that they gave Ryan Johnson like blank slate. Like here you go, here you go, run with it, see what you can do. And he's like, I'm gonna make my movie i'm not gonna like worry about this stuff and i was fine with that but then they freaked out because everybody also freaked out and then they're they put the reins on hard of like we got to make sure this third one makes everything work everybody's happy at the end and i honestly think the way that movie is paced for the third one is like he just decided okay I'll tweak a couple things to make my next two movies that I would have written happen anyway. Cause that's like yes. two movies in one yes. and the ending was kind of always doomed. Cause they didn't give it enough time to build in any way that like felt important. Yeah. And also he's kind of screwed. They only did the next three in the trilogy because George Lucas had said that he had ideas for that. But, like, they destroyed the Emperor. They they did, like, the biggest thing in the galaxy, basically. I I don't really know what George Lucas had in mind, but I'm not quite sure how you can do the... (laughs) What can be more climatic and crazy than, like, literally the Rebels overthrowing a gigantic imperial government and military so i think they're just kind of doomed and trying to figure out like what can be scarier than that and then a lot of the stuff they did a great job with you know always trying to have some kind of internal conflict with kylo ren and ray which is why those storylines are so strong but then everything else is always like I guess they have to have a chase scene now, so let's have these characters do it. And I I mean, I walked out of Force Awakens excited, punch in the air. I walked out of Last Jedi, not quite sure. I think I need to see it again to like get back into the headspace. And I walked out of Rise of Skywalker being like, 
okay, I can live with this. Like, it's <laughs> it's it's kind of like a relief that's over as well. It's like, okay, we don't have to, like, worry what they're going to do with it next. Like, it's literally the last one that they said they can do. So mm-hmm. it's very strange. Yeah. You know, I do think that they, you know, they wanted to wrap up the Skywalker saga. But the feeling I got was that the intent here was to make this trilogy and kind of eschew the past as quickly as possible so we can solidify this new set of characters moving us forward. And Mm -hmm. so I think that it's kind of a sign of how things win. Like, obviously, the movies made tons of money and they, you know, they're monetarily successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything that came around with them, I think that if it had really in their mind been successful, there'd be more and more with these characters. And instead, mm-hmm. you have actors that are disappointed with how they were treated, that were told yep. they were back and forth on what their lineage was and didn't know from the beginning and kind of want nothing to do with it anymore. I mean, it's sort of a yep. sad yep. state when you got John Boyega and Mark Hamill that really don't want to be part of this anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um and, I and Harrison think that, Ford didn't even want to be a part of it. No, for right. the last yeah. twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that's true. Um, yeah, I did, we Andrew and I have talked ad nauseum about how it's stunning to us that you know George planned out this saga, and then um, it was executed to varying degrees of success but always based on that core story. And so for them to to like be given this responsibility to finish up this saga with three films and then to give us a hopeful vision of where it can go in the future and to not have an outline of what is going to happen. Because, yeah, there were three different directors for the original trilogy, but they all... Did, like you said, George wrote it and he was upset with the in Empire Strikes Back of him changing his vision too much or whatever and stuff. So there was already that, but it was mm-hmm. still George Lucas's story. And yeah. um, there was apparently no story for this. And this article kind of uh, with J.J. Abrams, this interview, and as you've said, with kind of piecing together what other people have said, they went into this without a plan. And I think it is just a stunning lack of leadership. And I cannot believe that one of the biggest multimedia franchises in the world mm-hmm. wasn't planned out. I mean, what person ever goes into I'm writing a series and doesn't outline it like and know what's going to happen. Like you, 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 right. You have to come up with those questions, but it is your responsibility to come up with the answers, mm-hmm. like yeah. where you end. And yeah, you don't get to, I just, that to me is really unforgivable because I just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Ryan Johnson, like I loved knives out. Knives out was an amazing movie. So good. It's so good. Um, but they should not have given him one of these movies. Ryan mm. Johnson should have been given a standalone spin-off Star Wars movie. Hey, yep. Star Wars universe, you can't add like crazy meaningful lore, but you can tell it anywhere in the Star Wars universe you want. 
-hmm. Here's like the existing lore that you get to work with, make your thing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, how, and how that could have been really cool. Yeah. How fun do you guys think it would have been if like he would have been given solo? You know what I mean? That, yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, but it's still, it's so much in the, it's so tied. Like, I really think he wanted to tell his story the way he wants to tell it. And he, I think he's said as much that he really doesn't care about the, like the canon, the larger scope well, of anything like that. Like it's not, it's, it's not his priority sure. there is to. Sure. And I totally get that. I'm just like thinking about the movie solo. Like there were so few parts that really had to tie in. Do you know what I mean? Like there were so like very few things that needed to be accomplished. Like basically it's like Han Solo meeting Chewbacca is like yeah. the thing that had to happen. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like there was just so much of that movie that I'm like, this has almost no bearing on, yeah. you know, what people would think of as canon Star Wars. Like, I just think it would be like his type of movie, his type of character to write. And like, if you were like, okay, just give me this one goal and then anything else is up to you. I think that would have been like enough of him to be like, all right, I can work within the parameters of like meaning this one thing that I have to do. And then the rest of it, I can just like freeform it. I'm going to take the assumption that you guys were not fans of Solo, a Star Wars story. I I am medium. I'm like tepid on solo. Okay. Like it's it I don't hate it. I'm not like, oh my god, it's so awful. But I just okay. I felt like there was more potential there that wasn't sure. realized. I so, and see I just it think again. like Ryan Johnson could have done something really interesting with it. Okay. I was in a bad headspace with Star Wars mm -hmm. when I saw that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh and I didn't see it in the theater and stuff. So I like I it didn't get a fair shake for me, though. Sure. Um, with some of the criticisms I had heard, I thought a lot of them weren't warranted. I thought it was a little unfair to critique the performance in comparison to Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of that stuff. Yeah. And people so were, overall, yeah. Overall, I I did I did enjoy the movie. So I just okay. it deserves another go. I definitely loved Rogue One, but yeah. then yes. after I watched solo a couple more times like i liked it the first viewing but mm -hmm. honestly out of all the films like the pacing and it just being like basically a heist movie it doesn't even have to be han solo but like it was <laughs> whatever like i just enjoyed the art and the cinematography and mm -hmm. the story built up well it just kind of became my the one that I have the least gripes with out of all the ones that came since Disney yeah. acquired it. So, I mean, I think that movie really gets a bad shake just because, like, how dare you replace Harrison Ford and yeah. all that stuff. And I can see why people would be mad, like, oh, that's how he got his name, because they did do that, like, you have to explain how he gets everything. But in the end, like... That didn't really bother me. Like, yeah. just enjoy mm -hmm. like the fun parts and I don't know. Ron Howard, give me a call. I'll... <laughs> you know what? Um, Ryan Johnson should have done. He should have had a movie where they were on a jungle planet and you had these young, uh, like J Jedi, maybe I don't you know whatever teenagers or something like that. 
and they're going out to like in explore the they're kind of like outcasts they're not doing what exactly what they're supposed to be they're being bad apprentices and they're out exploring this sith temple there's like ancient ruins they tell you to stay away from there forbidden knowledge like it's dangerous or whatever you know but it's but it's just ruins like who cares or whatever and they go in and it becomes this like almost horror like things playing with your minds like forced uh spirits from sith lords past or whatever and Ooh. weird stuff as they're like trying to get out like they do get in too deep and uh, they start seeing things and whatever and mm-hmm. what you know does one of them end up killing the other you know what what happens here but it you know they you know learn their last or or none of them survive whatever it may be something there like doesn't have to be connected to anyone else no one's name that's tied anywhere could be a new planet you know are you fresh, testing I, the waters on your fan fiction on us right now yeah. <laughs> i mean if i do a, a homebrew D of star wars it's going to take place like you know old republic times for sure it's going to mm-hmm. take place tales of the old republic knights of the old republic era and it will nice. it will definitely deal with like sith lore and stuff so yeah i'm into that but i'm just <laughs> it's uh yeah it um something different yeah i yeah. i totally agree that after i walked out of the rise of skywalker even though i had spent the last like two years trying to like get myself to understand what i did and didn't like about last jedi i was just like it would have just worked better if they had J.J. Abrams just do his three films. And it just, I think everybody, no matter how much you griped about how it ended, it would have just felt better if everything had its chance to breathe. Because, like, that end moment where she's pulling the shuttle with Kylo Ren, whatever, and it blows up, that seemed like the perfect break for, like, Chewie's dead end of the movie oh my god like can't believe it right that that is just like three seconds later hey i got this chewbacca guy over here he's alive and everyone thinks he's dead right cool (laughs) (laughs) right yeah everything loses its impact when it's so like jumpy like you have to get to like all these 65 plot points who cares how we get there we just have to like here and there and tell the story and it's like like those yeah it's like those mysteries or whatever the weekly mysteries where it's like find out next week will she fall off the cliff find out right now she did okay (laughs) yeah yeah right right there's no like emotional investment because like everything is answered right away yeah yep but i saw the potential and that's what that's what hurt so bad was like yeah yeah, well, I, absolutely. Crushed. And like when I saw The Force Awakens, you know, I mean, firstly, when I heard that Disney had acquired Lucasfilm, I didn't believe it. Ashley told me she saw it. I was like, what? What? No way. And then all the all the canon was wiped. And I'm like, oh, man, that's not good. But I understand. And I just was like tentative the whole way, you know, like and when I saw The Force Awakens, I'm like, you know, the production value. I was like, I have issues with Ray, but I really got into Ray in that 
and I had problems with it's basically a repeat of uh, episode four. But I'm like, well, look, if they're going for the idea that the average person, let's say the person is either not seen episode four or hasn't seen it in like 30 years, you know, or they just don't remember that it's, it would, it would bring back the nostalgia and the things without them even necessarily knowing why, like it would mm -hmm. just ring true to the original star Wars. And I was like, okay, well I will let it go. Um, if they, depending on what's next, you know, like we'll see where this goes. And, um, and then I was excited in the, in the last Jedi because I was sold by uh, the Kylo and Ray connection. Um, mm. I was sold by their performances. I was sold by the way that was done. I even though like I've seen some stun people breaking down and it's got problems. The the like their lightsaber battle together and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of cool things, um, but yeah, I can't. It, it's not enough to make up for like an overall story that is pretty meaningless. And on all the other characters that are, are forgotten about, um, mm -hmm. you know, in this, in this process, like Ray and um, Kylo got all the focus and that's, was the yeah. only interesting part. And everybody else got played second fiddle. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't, we didn't have the chance to care about Poe, or Finn, uh, or Luke for that matter, you know, like none of it. And, um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I guess I won't belabor it, uh, too long as, as I said, we could have an entire episode on, I, it's probably foolish of me. I probably should have said this, have Dustin on just do a star Wars episode so, <laughs> because yeah, I feel uh, like I, yeah, I blathered on probably a little too long, but no, 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 no. I am plenty never, more. can never do that about Star Wars on this show. <laughs> Good. There was, a, there was a time where we had a, a running streak of mentioning Star Wars on every episode. It's I don't true. know when that was broken, but um, <laughs> we'll have to have you back to talk about more of the yes. like, current state of Star Wars, about Mandalorian, about yes. the animated series. Ooh. Uh, anything expanded, all that sort of thing. Um, uh, some other time, we'll have to we'll have to delve into that that as well. So yeah, sounds good. Look at that! You're you're already up to two episodes that you're coming back for. Yes. Dune and Star Wars. <laughs> and Resident Locking Evil Village. <laughs> and Resident Evil Village. I got three. <laughs> oh my gosh! Dustin's Perfect. a regular um, now. <laughs> yep. Can't wait. Um. Okay. So. I don't want to, um, let's see. We'll, we'll see where, we'll see where this goes. We don't have to, this next one shouldn't be, we shouldn't be too long. Um, mm -hmm. I did just want to see what people's thoughts were on anime or, and it, it can, Dustin, if you're not as much into this, uh, you can talk about other adaptations, but, uh, there was a poll done in Japan that seemed to largely suggest that fans would most rather their anime or manga was just not adapted into live action form. It's like, yeah. what of these would you like to have to see Hollywood make into a live action film? And their answer is, you know, they, they pick some, but ultimately it's kind of well, just none of them just mm -hmm. leave them be. And so 
one are you into manga anime are you do you have a preference on like adaptations uh and like can this apply to you know other things that you've read or something like that comics or whatever uh i have watched anime um it was another thing that took me a while to get into i think it was because uh a lot of the anime that i was exposed to when i was younger were like the serial ones that just never ended like just kept going and it was always another level of power that they had to achieve or something like that it just didn't make any sense to me um and then it was again in college college just opened my eyes up to everything (laughs) um we we had some class where they showed us the first like 15 minutes of princess mononoke and i was so enthralled and he turned it off and he's like and that's an example and i was like turn that back on what are you doing right now (laughs) and so i went to the library after that class and i rented it and i watched it and i was like i didn't realize like anime could actually be like a very enthralling story where it's not just like constantly writing the next episode to just never end like there was animation out there very amazing animation i was studying media arts and animation at the time so it was all my bread and butter um and then that's when i was just like okay i gotta get into the movies so then princess line okay after that came akira um then i don't know i went down the rabbit hole of all those movies who knows which ones i was watching but um that's what really opened my eyes up of like okay this is a serious medium of like very interesting stuff and not the you know pokemon digimon whatever kind of other mons there were there's pokemon well not have it (laughs) wait i watched i did watch a lot of pokemon but i was just you know it it was that thing where it just never ended like you could always go and i don't even remember there being an overarching story or character development it was just right brock loves girls Misty is always mad, mad and yeah. Ash and Pikachu are bonded by the soul and will yeah. never die and always be 15 or yeah, whatever. Perfect. Yeah. So. Exclamation. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I can't say that I've seen like a lot of series. Um, I did watch some of Bleach, but yeah. just like with everything, um, it kind of gets to the point where like they just don't end it. And yep. then that's when I lose investment. Like, I love Samurai Champloo, Trigun, because they had something to end it on. I mean, this is all yeah. an episode about you got to plan your stories. Yep. If you don't, yeah. then you're, you're just flying by the seat of your pants. And I can't stand that kind of stuff. But um, for, sure. for sure, Samurai Champloo, so good. I love Show and tell. I've got... My try gun right here. Oh yeah. Nice. My my Japanese import. Yeah. Nice. There you go. It's pretty nice. I got Blu-rays of Samurai Shampoo. Hmm. I still keep like I don't have much physical media anymore, but I do keep some certain mm-hmm. anime ones around. So Yeah, I feel like I've gotta figure out get those primo ones like shampoo and stuff like that, just so that I can always go back to them if I want. I was huge in the Afro Samurai, at least the first season. The second season, yeah. I really didn't care for. 
But um, I don't need to go into, I guess, everything I've ever seen. But in terms of adaptations, I think animes themselves are super hard to adapt without coming off as hokey. Because, mm-hmm. like, I've seen trailers for the things like, um, what was it, Full Metal Alchemist and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, it's got a budget behind it, but probably not as big of a budget as you would need to, like, really sell those settings and effects and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it just, if you're really into it and you want to see the adaptation I don't think it's ever going to live up to what came before it because you're trying to cram everything into a different timeline and and then just the medium of live action. Yeah. You got to do things just right. Otherwise, like, I mean, some of the crazy stuff to translate into live action is just like, it looks cool when it's <laughs> drawn and, animate and animated, but um, putting that on a guy... Like that just looks super weird. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I was thinking about that because um one of the conversations we had a few weeks ago was about Castlevania, the animated series from Netflix. Mm. And one of my favorite episodes um involves a lot of animation of the main character Trevor's whip and how it like changes into sixteen different lengths within the episode within this battle and it works because it's animated and it looks amazing but if it was live action your brain would just be sitting there telling you like that can't do that like you know there's yeah. a certain <laughs> element of reality that introduces itself then and you just go like that's not believable that doesn't work he can't you know one one time be wink- like swinging from like a 16 foot you know, whip, and then the next minute it, like, whips around into, like, two feet at his closest opponent. Like, it doesn't work. Um, yeah. But then I was thinking about, like, some of the animated series that have gone, like, the other way, like the recent um, Netflix uh, release of Altered Carbon, where they started mm-hmm. out live action and then made it animated. And I felt like that was oh. more successful because when you take something that's already grounded in reality and works in like a live action and then you translate it into animated, you're not bound and constricted by that. Like, well, we have to make it believable. We have to make it look cool mm-hmm. in like this live action format. Like, no, like we already have proven we can do that here. Now let's turn it into an animated series and just like go nuts. Like, let's just, you know, have yeah. fun with it. So. And that's like the beauty it, of like, animation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can do that yeah. if it feels right in the setting. Yeah. And that was, you know, and with Altered Carbon, that's obviously like an a, additional story. It's kind of like right. what they did with the Animatrix with the Matrix, you know, adding mm-hmm. content. But yeah, I right. think um, I think the industry and I think it's sad with, um, I don't know, at least there's a subset somewhere within Disney, I guess, um, executives or something that um for a company built on animation seems to have uh forgot the benefits of animation i know we've talked Mm -hmm. about this before andrea but like sometimes people just always there's in this mindset like well we're gonna adapt this to live action because live action is the best version 
because of course mm-hmm. live action is the best. You know, we're going to mm-hmm. throw the most money at it's good, whatever, you know. And I just like inherently don't ag- agree with that. You know, it's it's this it's um I've seen breakdowns. I haven't watched the movie myself, but of like Lion King and live action. And then mm-hmm. you do a side by side of Lion King and live action and Lion King original animated. And they have like colorful backgrounds and like the animals have expressive faces in the animation and things that they can sell that they can't in live action because it yeah it doesn't fit the reality they need to sell now so you're mm-hmm. you're losing a lot of like animation is has an ability to sell a feeling mm-hmm. um like through sheer visual like mm-hmm. um i don't know like what the word i'm looking for is um that that live action can't like yeah. some of the anime we've watched, the the things they throw at you and the way that it's like takes you th- through a ride and it's like not mattering what's real or whatever. It's it feels right uh, to you. And I think I think animation is special. And if people that are making this don't understand that, it's it's going to suffer if they just make it like it would be any other medium. They're not getting it. I, I remember in college. And I'll wrap wrap my say up here. They, when we were animating a ball, there, like, it blew my mind with just a little bit. It's like the ball must over squish. Like, when it's going to bounce, it has to overcompensate, like, what it would then from what it would really do because it doesn't look right otherwise. It somehow looks stale. Like, it, it needs to imitate and tell you, sell to your brain that it's real and not necessarily be real sure. and that yeah. right there like was was everything i would see animation differently from from that yeah definitely yeah the 12 principles of animation from like the disney greats was one of the first things that we studied in college and it really is like it almost doesn't matter what you're drawing or how it's drawn if it sells a feeling when you look at it, you've done it successfully. And that's right. that's the layer on top of everything. And Lion King is a perfect example of that, where it's like, yes, it is that they tried to make it so, look so realistic that they couldn't do the facial expressions before. But it's also everything on top of that, of, you know, the backgrounds, the characters, everything is designed in a certain way, like character design is so important like you look at all of the disney villains in any of the 2d things and they're so strong like you mm-hmm. can get a sense of what that character is just by seeing a still image and then yeah. if you look at a lineup of all the lions in the live action live action exactly. lion king it's like yeah that's a lion uh there hmm. that's the good one that's the bad one yeah i, know. I have no idea. yeah yeah. So it's um, it's something that is so important that mm-hmm. like is the number one thing when doing animation that really gets lost because people don't understand why that was successful in the first place. Right. Yep. All right. Awesome. Well, sounds like sounds like we agree with the uh, top answer, which is yep. none. It should yeah. not, not live action. And I, and I looked yeah. at the poll and it wasn't just like none 
was the answer that won. It was like it crushed all the other answers. <laughs> yeah. It was overwhelming that people were like, please don't, please don't, no, no. Yeah. Well, do you remember, Dustin, in Samurai Champloo, the episode where they, um, I forget they're having a fire somewhere and everybody starts getting high. Like they're not sure what's happening and they're hallucinating. Yeah. Like that kind of thing is, is amazing. And, and I feel like it's like the stepping stone for what, uh, um, uh, Shinichiro Watanabe would do later in like space dandy and stuff and like getting really out there with things. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I feel like you, you can't possibly do that and sell that kind of, ride in live action you know yeah, you could try it in some other way but mm -hmm. but why <laughs> why yeah exactly if you're you either have to make something work with the content that you're trying to turn into live action and it needs to be its own thing and be great in that format otherwise then you're just trying to recreate something but then it won't ever live up to the original one because the animation was what it needed so then it's like what are you trying to accomplish here you're, right. you're either just trying to remake the same thing which is pointless which i think happened once where a guy did a shot for shot remake of psycho or maybe not psycho it was one of uh hitchcock films and he literally like just did an updated version where he matched all the shots and everyone's like why did you make this movie? Yeah. What the hell is the point of this? Yeah, basically. Um, and then, but then if you go the opposite way and you're trying to make it your own, then you're already like, you're kind of working against the material that you're trying to pour it over. So you really have to have a strong vision that works to go that one direction. But then if you're trying to be anywhere in between, you're destined to fail. Um, well, um, I don't have a good, um, segue here, but we wanted to get in okay. some gaming stuff. All right. So we've talked for a couple hours on movies and television and, uh, anime and stuff. Well, we got some gaming things. Uh, Dustin tells me he's a self-professed naughty dog expert. So, oh, yeah, um, I did say that, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, so just wanted to um get we can spend as much or as little time as we go through as we want but i want to see how long you've been gaming like are there some big critical points in your gaming history consoles or games that have like kind of really made the difference or got you into gaming um yeah well um my first ever thing that I got was me and my cousin both like we we're like a month away from each other. So basically every Christmas and birthday, they would just buy us the same gift. And one year we got the original Game Boy and it was the coolest thing ever. And we didn't nice. socialize or do anything. We just ran into the corner and played that little <laughs> black and white screen. And it was the coolest thing ever. Um, and then many years down the line, my parents wouldn't get me any of the gaming consoles like Sega or the Nintendo or whatever. And my cousin finally got an N64. And so I had to stage a protest because he got one and I didn't. <laughs> um, I do believe walking out. 
I was picketing, yeah. I think it was yeah. something along the like, and 64 he got when I want, when I want some more, or something like that. Anyway, um, <laughs> apparently that Great works. Slogan. Yeah, so the next, uh, the next Christmas, I surprisingly got an N64 um, with, of course, like the, the staples from Rare when they were in their prime of Perfect Dark and Conquer's Bad Fur Day and stuff like that, which was amazing. Um, and then... I don't know how much you want to hear about my lineage, but GameCube, then I saved up enough money to buy an Xbox. Um, mind you, these are always like one or two years after it's come out. So it's like mm-hmm. sure. I'd always get the thing and then I'd have a whole slew of games to, that were in the discount shelf to go through, which was amazing. Um, then got the 360. That thing died a couple times on me. Um, <laughs> yep. And then... I saw Uncharted, and I was like, that looks amazing. But I didn't buy it, like, right away. So it was, like, three years after the PS3 had come out, and I was like, all right, let's do this. And I got it, picked up Uncharted um, and The Last of Us, because I had been playing The Last of Us previously on my friend's PlayStation. Um, And I just played... The crap out of those games um nice. one and two and then last of us and that was just like who are these people like this studio is amazing and i started researching the studio and seeing kind of like their workflow and how they were very open to everybody being able to like give their ideas so like concept artists would you know openly accept ideas from other people when and work it into their stuff to see like what once filtered came out the end it wasn't this is the creative director's vision and everybody has to listen and do exactly what i want like it seemed like a real team that was passionate creating these awesome pieces of art and that was one of the first games that i would say like broke that ceiling of not just being the fun thing to smash buttons on and pass time it was like it made me think about more and enjoy more beyond just sitting there and playing it mm-hmm. and uh ever since then i mean naughty dog has had hit after hit in my eyes like i know that some are more well received than others um but each time that they've done it like they've put all their effort into it and what you get out of it is just a mix of great gaming mechanics uh, and then stories and characters on top of that like they're pushing the limits on that stuff too it's amazing um and i guess i don't know if i mentioned but i ended up going into some game design and stuff for what i do at work and so that part always like seeing the behind the scenes and what they're doing to make it is almost just as exciting to me as actually playing it. So sure. That's always been a big passion of mine. Well, I was going to get into, um, um, we were going to talk some uncharted and you brought it up here and everything, but, um, I think probably save more of that for another day because, some of the, the the this particular story, I feel like, would be a little um, 
retreading some territory potentially when we just kind of talked about adaptations. Um, But I will ask, um, what is your favorite Uncharted game then? Ooh, number two for me by far. Okay. It's, it just hit all the right notes for me. Like it was really long. I mean, that's not why it was great, but I just felt like, the characters and the twisting turning and then like at the end all of a sudden they throw in i won't spoil anything but like sure the crazy stuff and i've always enjoyed yeah it, they have the elements of supernatural in there and i thought that was yep. super well done yep i i i agree with you um uh, number two is the best though i i have it's it's tough for me to say not it's not easy for me to say far and away because there's some feelings that I, that three gave me like that really gives you that um i'm the indiana jones action hero moments like boring mm-hmm. the plane you know riding on the back of a jeep and boring the plane and you know like the whole sequence is just like enthralling yeah um so i like remember certain moments there and i um and then I really like Lost Legacy. Um, I I didn't like Nadine in four at all. And I thought the mm-hmm. Lost Legacy was a little redemptive for her. And mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of Chloe. And I thought I was nice to see her breathe a little bit. And then it was refreshing to me because I didn't like four as much. Uh, it stretched on too long um, okay. and it lost some of the charm and fun that the tr- first trilogy did, the original three. And I think that Lost Legacy, even though it like tackled some more serious things, just in its its brevity and bringing in Sam and stuff, um, like felt more uncharted to me. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, because it didn't have Nathan Drake in it. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a great way to like introduce these characters you just get kind of a taste of in the other games and then giving them something that was just as meaty in terms of like development and stuff like that. And like they yep. obviously cared enough to make that ride through that game interesting and not just be like, all right, hopefully they pay 20 bucks for this and you just drive around and shoot people or something like that. They really. Yep wanted to be a part of the franchise and it yep. worked uh so andrea is your game after resident Evil village going to be far cry 6 uh it definitely could be based on this uh recent gameplay reveal slash a little bit of a trailer it it was exciting it was fun um like the storyline looks incredible and who doesn't love Giancarlo Esposito? So oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that they, uh, as they were talking about in this recent gameplay reveal that we got, um, that they were talking a lot about how like he was the model for this character from the get go. They were just like convinced, like this is the guy, and we have to build this whole character around him. And the I second best just, moth. Like, that's just like. Excellent call. Or a third, <laughs> maybe, I guess. I <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, have uh, either of you played any Far Cry games? I haven't. I, haven't I 
my friend let me play number three, I believe it was like when it really caught on again. Um, but I never finished it because there was at some point I was getting chased and shot at and I flew off of a cliff. And then there was an autosave when I was midair and I oh, didn't no. save anything before. And so it was just like an endless loop of me <laughs> oh, dying, no. trying to like figure out how to get out. It's and like I'm like, moment. I think oh, I'm done man. with this. So, yeah. Yeah. But, it's, that's terrible when a glitch like that ends <laughs> yes. your, your run. Yeah. But what I played, it was good. And it seems okay. like the um, four and five kind of just kept on adding little bits here and there but from what i saw from six it kind of seems like they're they're kind of shaking it up to make it a little bit more interesting so i haven't been excited to try out the other ones but this one kind of seems like i might yeah yeah Yeah, the visuals are absolutely stunning like i mean i know that far cry is known for like building beautiful open world games Mm-hmm. But just just the visuals that we got uh, in this like little sneak peek were just absolutely breathtaking to me. Yeah, I heard a little yeah, bit of criticism because we're in this like uh, transitional phase between past gen and next gen, and like you know mm-hmm. these games are going to be on past gen yet, and the the critique seemed to be that the environments looked quite. Uh, um amazing the character models looked like they were straight from last gen yet like that had not gotten the and so we're still in that phase where you know we're getting things uh and and it seems like that phase uh, should be a topic for another day it seems like the phase uh or time period where cross-gen stuff is is sort of extending that's sort of broadening Mm -hmm. from from what it used to be so Mm -hmm. um but yeah I've, i've never played far cry but i have to say this this setup and having um uh a moth in there is uh is cool and <laughs> yeah just i think that you know a game needs to not just be fun to me it does have to sell me usually in like yeah its vibe or its feeling or its setting or whatever and mm-hmm. um this one has me more interested than i have been recently um alan calls all sounds like alan's the far cry expert here uh he says far cry primal as well like i think was primal the one that was like retro um looking um alan let Mm. me know if that's the case that was the the caveman one i think it was oh in association with the crudes or something blood dragon blood dragon that's what i was thinking of okay yeah i was thinking of blood dragon yeah okay so yeah well we'll um We'll see. You guys let me know if you if you jump into that world. Um, I want to talk about this is like the big thing I want to talk about. So if anyone wants to have something else after this, but I want to make sure we get this in. Um, Absolutely. One of my favorite games is Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, came out for the PS4 uh, soon to be five years ago. Um, it unfortunately came out very close to when Breath of the Wild did. It got mm-hmm. a lot of comparisons to Breath of the Wild. And I had trouble like going back and forth between the two and like picking at the time. And it was uh, whatever. And it, so- it seems like the sequel may end up having the same issues re- releasing around Breath of the Wild 2, which would be oh. unfortunate. But um, 
<clears throat> we shall see. Anyways, um, Sony's next big game coming out is um, Ratchet and Clank. But before that, they had a state of play the other week that was showcasing the first gameplay from Horizon Forbidden West. Mm -hmm. um, it's like 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, did you guys get to watch that? Um, what did you oh. think of it? Um, Beautiful. Yes. Andrea, why don't you, why don't you jump in and see what you, listen, what you thought of it? Yeah. I mean, I want to start from just a mechanics standpoint of the event itself. Like, I mean, I know it wasn't like a big event. Um, but still, I thought that if they were going to be like, here, here's our like little mini event. Here's our reveal. Here's our gameplay. Great job because they didn't mess around. They didn't do like an overly long intro. There wasn't like, Let, let's talk to like the director. Let's talk to the actors. Let's talk to, you know, this guy who drew one random scene. It was like, hey, we know you're here for the game, the gameplay. Let's do it. And I just appreciated that so much because we've, we've talked so much about um, events that get bogged down in you know, poor display or poor logistics or poor planning. And this was just really nice to just be like, hey, really simple, lead up, watch some gameplay, here you go. So I really appreciated that, um, you know, kind of maximizing my time, not only uh, getting introduced with a little bit of a cutscene, but then like getting right into the gameplay and really it being a substantial amount of gameplay. You know, they didn't just say like, oh, we're going to show you like, you know, whatever. And then you get like five minutes of somebody running around and then the rest of it is scenes or video or whatever. So I just thought this was this event was well done. Um, I I don't have a ton of context for Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I've probably played maybe 10, 15 minutes of it, so I don't have a lot. But mm. uh, this game is just like so striking. I love the visuals in this game. And I, I don't know, this, this event was great to me, like well done all around. Super good. You echo the, the same thing then same Justin. sentiment. Oh yeah. I was, I was super enthralled by it. Um, I haven't finished full disclosure, the original one. Um, because it was kind of one of those things where it's like I kept on wanting to like do each side thing and complete the whole thing, and there's a lot of content in that first one. And then I bought the DLC, like all excited. So then there's even more content to complete. Uh, but seeing this obviously reinvigorates that like must finish, must play for the next one coming up. And I thought. They did a great job of basically showing you everything you needed to know to sell you on this if you had played even a little bit of the last one of like, hey, we've got these new mechanics that are going to be more fun. We've got these new dinosaurs. We've got these new environments. And yes. it's, I don't know, there's something about like a more experienced and like war-weathered Aloy that I'm excited to like see what kind of story they come up with because it was kind of like her introduction to the world in the first game and now it's going to be like she's in the thick of it and the Forbidden West alone is a name that like 
already intrigues me of like what's forbidden about it what's what's in there right the mystery box damn you abrams yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere <laughs> so yeah i'm excited and it's kind of funny that you brought up breath of the wild because then they were showing off like different traversal with like the grappling hook and now she's got like a holographic glider or something like that and i was just like yeah. Yep. That is something a lot more open worlds need is like some kind of fun way to be able to jump down from something or whatever, which mm-hmm. happened a lot, I think, in the first one where you climb up to something and it's like, oh, how do I get down? I guess I got to take this rope or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to lead to a lot more enjoyment of just going around the world. So, yep, I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, the glider and stuff, it's always, because the game, like I say, the first one had so many comparisons to the to Breath of the Wild, and then it gets criticism for having the glider now in this, oh, copying Breath of the Wild. But it's like, I was talking about this with phones, you know, because new Android or a new iOS is revealed, and then like, oh, I just stole all these things from the other one. It's like, <laughs> well, it's because they're good features. Would you rather that platform just not have right. them? Like, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, when Breath of the Wild did what they did in a lot of ways, a lot of games are going to take those things because they changed how what we expect from an open world game in many ways mm-hmm. um, and some of those mechanics. So it's to the detriment of other games to not take those. I mean, right. games and every medium learns from the previous en- entries, you know, so it's yeah. just the way it will be. It's like, OK, you would have preferred it to be like they had the choice and they decided to go with the less fun version just because they're afraid that you call them out on it. Yep. What are you really asking for here? Right. Yep. Um, so I, um, I won't, uh, I'm going to get my like negative out of the way. Um, and I won't get into like the giant controversy that's unfortunately been around this game now or whatever, if you're in the, Twitter's fear of it and stuff. Um, But um, both Ashley and I did notice right away, like, did they change Aloy's character model? She looks weird and not not, um, like whatever I want. I would like answers. (laughs) Whatever's going to happen here in this, I would like to know what's going on because her face doesn't fit her body. And some of these just, it's kind of like when you take a picture of yourself. You don't share the ones that like you look weird, you know, you just like because you look weird. So it seemed weird to me to showcase your brand new game and then have these kind of odd shots that mm-hmm. make Aloy look um, weird. Um, whatever. We'll see what happens. But it didn't take away from my excitement of the event because the, the first game Again, is in my it's in my top five. It's often considered my favorite game ever, um, despite its flaws. And this showcase, like, basically addressed all my issues. Mm-hmm. Like every issue, common complaint about the first game. So traversal, not knowing where to climb up. It's always like the Skyrim jump up jaggy walls, kind of like haphazardly trying to get somewhere. And then you get to the top and you realize, oh. That was the path the path I was supposed to take to get up here. <laughs> that would have been nice, you know. Yeah. 
Um, so being able to use your focus to highlight points where you can climb much better solution. I love having that. the the grapple mm -hmm. hook, having the glider. And then human combat was always like a kind of a bore. You know, the idea is that the combat was focused around taking down these machines. And mm -hmm. then what didn't really change for people. And so they sh made sure to show off kind of a mini little boss fight, you know, taking yes. on a person yeah. that has different abilities and you, you have like a finisher move. That's like my comments were just like, oh, shit. Oh, you know, like like my live reactions, like because I was pretty blown away by. Yeah, I was blown away by what I saw yeah. other than like Aloy's puffy face and parts like I just was super stoked, like new weapons. It looks mm -hmm. gorgeous. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very excited. Yeah, I appreciated that they didn't show you too much of the same. You know what I mean? Like the gameplay was like a lot of different features, which I think was was a yep. plus. Um, they hit all the points, know. like small yeah. things, overriding machines, taking down a big machine, right. going mm -hmm. underwater, the new, right. uh, you know, being able to go underwater um, ability there. Um, indefinitely i just yeah i i cannot rave about, i there's there's just some content that connects and i just the idea of this post post-apocalyptic world where humanity is uh you know started in, in in this kind of way or whatever and i won't give away like big spoilers but just that's the like setup um i really connected with and um i loved the mystery the whole way through and yeah i'm very excited for what comes in what comes next in the lore um and i also have to say i love the lead up to this so i was watching it live and i'm a big fan of um like atmospheric youtube you know like there's channels that do just like this location in breath of the wild and it just sits there and it like goes through the weather and it has the background music and i just sure. I, I use that stuff for dnd i go to sleep to it whatever like i love that and i yeah. do i have those for horizon as well and they basically started and ran like four hours of that <laughs> before this. And I'm like, this is perfect. It's like some new You're music, new robot sounds. They're switching cameras between new locations. You get to see the weather systems. The weather systems in Horizon mm -hmm. have always been amazing. So I dig that's, it. That's sweet. I did not see that part. I'll Same. have to track yeah. that down. Yeah, because they like have, you know, this kind of village they show or whatever. And then the the mist that's just rolling off the hills and then what mm -hmm. that looks like as the sun begins to set and yeah i like yeah that. they've always put so much effort into those games especially horizon zero dawn i i think i just stumbled onto a video the other day where it's like someone saw that there was a puddle on the ground and it was cloudy out and then when the clouds went away and the sun came out the puddle like dried up and so mm. they did like a time lapse of it happening. Like, holy crap, that's amazing. But also, like, who's the programmer who had to like come up with this? And like, one person out of a million finally noticed it. And it just blows my mind. Yeah. There's a reason that, like, I think a gorilla for their Decima engine have gotten some praise. 
um and you know like kojima went and used it for death stranding and yep. um i think that like they really are uh pushing new advancements i watched kind of a developer deep dive or whatever into some of their new technologies they'd use for creating this and like it's all beyond me but it's still very interesting in the way that they like can just paint environments you know like they set some parameters and they just like can paint rock and then just brush over and like and it just randomly mm -hmm. generates for them the environment and so you get a lot of diversity and environment and very low um like time spent mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so i just yeah like yeah they're super clever with the tools that they put together to make sure that like if they put in all that time up front then they can spend time not on like making sure that these logs are all where they need to be they can yeah make right. sure that all the other pieces are working which worked perfectly for them mm -hmm. yeah. okay well um alan what's our what's our show runtime sitting at it's up there. Are we uh, our longest show yet? I don't know. Yeah, I know. We, we, we keep track of the longest show. I think what was it, two forty before for our longest or something? It's getting yeah. whatever. We'll have to break out some clips. But I know uh, our Star Wars one was in the running for one of our okay. longest shows. Yeah. Unsurprisingly. Yeah. Yep, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Um, it was really good having you here, Dustin. Bring a different perspective to Star Wars um, from my normal toxicity, and um, <laughs> and uh, uh, having the right answer about how to watch well. Star Wars. Oh my gosh! I'm never gonna hear the end of it now. Andrea That's called right. me before this, and we agreed on it to make sure <laughs> money was exchanged. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, we bartered. So. I gave him some moonshine. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the only payment I take. That's right. So thanks for coming on. We hope to have you back. Um, well, we will have uh, him back. Get a good time. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. One more. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's been episode sixty-two of Popcast on the Rocks. Uh, you should follow us uh, here on Twitch if you're watching live, or on YouTube, Twitter. Facebook, any of those places, like, subscribe, share it out, all that kind of thing. Um, I'd like to thank Killing the Flower for our theme song. Their content is on Spotify, Instagram, and YouTube. Give them a follow. And then um, I often play video games with my brother-in-law, Lucas333. That's Lucas with a K on Twitch. Um, we've been playing some Warzone for some reason recently. I'm not a, I'm not a COD player, but, uh, so if you want to come watch me suck, um, <laughs> you can do that. So otherwise, um, uh, in, it's been a good show and until next week, thanks for joining me guys. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. Absolutely. It's been fun to have you and cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.